Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern and on Saturday at whatever time I can get to it. Tune in live at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by the patrons. Support Sp- Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Switchcraft episode 182 is brought to you by OP Seat. Head over to runjumpstomp.com slash OP Seat to directly support the show and get a fantastic gaming chair that can support you. I'm sitting in one right now, and it's fantastic. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am here today with Jules Watchem of Atui. They are the devs of Mutant Muds as well as Zeo Drifter for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, big thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. It's nice to be here, man. Uh, so I, I asked you to come on the show because I'm a big fan of, of your work. Um, I played Mutant Muds on the 3DS. I think I played it on my phone as well way back in the oh, day. Yeah. And uh, Zeo Drifter, I played both on Steam and Nintendo Switch, and uh, I'm a big fan of both of those games. Um, Thanks, man. What's your job on the on the dev team? Um, it's interesting. Like when I started in the industry many many eons ago, I started as a pixel artist. That was my entry into the professional side of things, um, and then like game designer, that role didn't really exist. Like, well, it it may have in some places, but in the companies I joined in, in my world, it wasn't formalized yet. There was a programmer, there was an artist, and game design is something that happened in the middle magically somehow. You guys figure it out. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So, and unbalanced to me, I think I'd always really been a game designer and had that passion and desire to be a game, you know, to get into the game design but just didn't really realize it. So anyway, later as things got more formalized, you know, at least in the Western, you know, game, game, uh, video game scene, um, and game design roles emerged and were more formalized. That's kind of what I jumped over to. So, um, but I've done production as well, as far as being the producer, more of the kind of making sure everything's on time and everyone's happy and everything's good. So I've kind of had a lot of roles over the years, but now at Atui, my main thing is game design. I'll do pixel art as well. And obviously production, planning it, making sure everything's good, as well as the business side, the PR. So I dip into some audio, some music and stuff, as you know, sometimes. So almost everything aside from programming. Oh, okay. Would be the quick way of saying it. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So okay, you said that you did some some pixel art on like SNES. What what are some games that you worked on before you started your own studio? Uh, I mean. The very first one was an NES game. This was in 92, I think. Yes. Uh, it was an NES game called Rodland. Um, and 
it, it, most of it had been done. I, I was, I kind of was brought on towards the end. It was my first job, basically as a as a pixel artist, and I, I just filled in some of the things and did some stuff. Um, but you know, over the years since then, some of the ones that people may have heard of, things like NBA Jam, uh, Arrow the Acrobat, uh, did Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel World, so my first lead artist role, which was really fun. Um, Pirates of Dark Water was another one. Side Pocket is a pool game by Data East on the Super Nintendo. Um, so yeah, a bunch actually, a bunch of fun pixel stuff. That were a lot of the years at Iguana, which was then later bought by Acclaim, were mm-hmm. pixel stuff before we got into the, I guess, N64 area, era, PlayStation 1, you know, Dreamcast and so on, as it went on from there. It, which is interesting because the N64 PlayStation era pixels were a bad thing like there was no pixel right suddenly yeah, there was like, no, all... that was yesterday's news polygonal now it's polygons polygons um and, and suddenly no one wanted to touch 2d so i was like oh man so to me i was like oh it's over <laughs> oh man i wanted i hadn't done a pixel game at that point like i mean i had worked on some but i hadn't done my own project uh, like my own design my own creation so i was like oh kind of sad but so i was really happy when it started to come back you know like years later especially when the indie scene took off when that's when people could actually self-publish um, whereas publishers I don't think were brave enough to publish or put money into a pixel game whereas indies were like I don't care I want to do this and it kind of grew and you know thankfully it's back it's more of an art style rather than you know I don't know I, some people call it retro I guess but I like to think of it as an art style you know a choice that you can use to make a game but I can understand where people are like nah it's just retro just nostalgia it's like well it depends on who's creating it and why they're creating it I suppose but for me it's more like I just love pixels it's a great art medium to get into you know and do stuff so I like to think of it as just a nice art style rather than only tapping into nostalgia which you know some people probably do it's it's pretty amazing how and I agree with you. It's definitely an art style because there's there's a there's a skill to making something with as few colors mm-hmm. as possible and making it yep. still look uh, like anything. L- like anything. <laughs> and yeah, exactly, um, yeah. it, it's wonderful how this art style kind of was born out of just the technical limitations at the time like during the nes era it was like six colors is how many you could Mm -hmm. have for a character sprite uh like and that just is amazing to me and then the fact that today we're getting these games which are still um I don't like the word limited because that feels like that they are less than, mm-hmm. uh, but right. they are limited. They like they force themselves to be limited yeah. to this style, and I just think it yeah. looks really good. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, no, me too, man. I love it. It's it's fun, and, and I'm sure that nostalgia certainly plays a part in it. In it, um, but I, I just appreciate exactly like you were saying. I appreciate when when someone can create something out of so few uh, pixels and colors and actually make it look, you know, like something. And then, you know, then the whole, you know, that's just the main character. And then you put the world and the enemies and everything around it. And it's just like, wow, this whole world exists in this bizarre abstract kind of format. You know, it's, yeah, I like it a lot. So I love 3D stuff as well, but I definitely have a soft spot for 2D, obviously. Mm -hmm. So uh, you guys at Atui, you you make a lot of, and I know you don't like the term, but retro games oh, I, don't, I don't dislike it it's not but, well but it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's not yeah. really what you're doing because you're you're going for an art style but um like 
how do I want to say yeah. this? What's the well, inspiration say, like, for a lot of those games? Go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I'd say like the like the little motto we have underneath the Atui logo is is retro roots, modern mojo. So we're kind of you know trying to take some of the retro stuff that that we came from, but then looking at what's going on today, such as save points and checkpoints and modern sensibilities that didn't yeah. exist back then, you know? Um, you know, like I mean way back when there's passwords, you know, that's how you'd have to enter something if you made any kind of progress. It'd like give you a password of a thousand characters you had to write it down somewhere and hope that you didn't make a mistake when you load up the game again, you put it back in. It's like Ugh. but um so not those things. That that would be under the modern mojo of <laughs> sensibilities. Um but uh yeah, and we've we've so we're definitely embracing that. Um, it was interesting before Atui, you know, I uh, founded a company with a good friend of mine, Greg Hargrove, uh, Renegade Kid, and mm -hmm. our first game uh, was for the DS called um, Dementium: The Ward, um, which is a 3D bloody FPS, you know. So and at the time, kind of cutting edge, if you will, for the DS, you know, it was 60 frames a second. Um, it had blood, it had gore, it had uh, lighting effects. It was like, wow, really quite impressive for that machine, relatively speaking. So it's interesting, like that company kind of launched into that market um with with some technical savvy kind of like oh wow they're actually pushing the ds to the limits that's crazy um and we continued doing some of that and then later we got into we're doing new muds and zero drifter um and then we ended uh, renegade kid and we both went off and started our own companies and so with the two e it was interesting i was faced with an interesting kind of junction point like what do i what do i want a two e to be what, why are we doing this? What's the point? Um, what, what, what's going to make me happy? What are people going to like? How do I try and create some sort of a identity, some kind of authenticity to what on earth we're doing? Um, so I spent some time thinking about that and I was like, you know what? I, I really want to embrace, and that's where the retro roots modern mojo came from. I was like, I really want to embrace that retro kind of love that I have for the old stuff, but bring it to today and, and, and make it kind of, um, less painful than it used to be as far as from the player's perspective, where it was brutally hard. Even though my games are hard, uh, they're really nothing compared to the original. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, retro <laughs> games, which are uh, unforgivingly hard. Um, so if, if anyone thinks uh, Mutant Muds is hard, like, yeah, you should go back and play, you know, Ghosts and Goblins or something, you know, something like that. It's like, or Mega Man. Um, so were those so, the games you grew up on? Like Ghosts and Goblins um, and Mega Man? Or actually, was it... But prior yeah, to that, I kind of grew up more on the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64, and then went on to the uh, Atari ST and the Commodore Amiga. So, kind of a strange, very much a Euro kind of um, experience. Um, and then later, kind of got into the NES, um, Genesis, Super Nintendo, um, kind of after that. So, and you know, the game, the computer games, if you will, uh, from Europe on the Spectrum on the Commodore 64 were very strange compared to the games that were coming out on the nes and the super nintendo uh, some really really great games like jet set willy monty on the run hungry horace um lunar jet man stuff like that which are great games in their own right they're so different so quirkily different to the games you'd find by nintendo on the nes so it's an interesting fun kind of quirky um um, you know, experience that I had with those games. So it was really nice to then get onto the NES and stuff like that, where the games were a little bit more, and some people won't like me saying this, but when you get onto the NES and the Super Nintendo uh, Genesis and so on, those games were generally a little bit more kind of professional, a bit more pulled together. Whereas the Spectrum 64 games, even though they're brilliant in their own right, they did have a kind of indie kind of 
amateurish vibe to them. I mean, they had, you know, brilliance, you know, spots of brilliance along the way for sure, especially in music and art and design and technology for the time. Um, but generally as a collective, you compare it to the NES library, for example, you know, it's interesting. It's almost like, this is like the garage band kind of over here and here's mm -hmm. the actual, you know, the fully produced kind of A little stuff more refined. Really, yeah, exactly. It's very interesting. So anyway, so that's what I grew up with was, was the kind of more quirky, strange Euro kind of uh, 8-bit. Yeah, I guess it was 8-bit, yeah, or, yeah, um, stuff, yeah. Awesome. But, um, yeah, so with Atui, so the idea was to kind of embrace that, but also kind of bring it into the modern stuff. So we have, like, Soccer Slammers, which I'm wearing a T-shirt right now, if you can see That's that. That's a sweet sure. T-shirt. Um, thank you, uh, which is using voxel art. So it looks very retro still because um, they the the resolution, if you will, of the voxels are very akin to, like, an NES game, mm -hmm. but it's obviously 3D fully 3d and delicious and lovely and lit and very crisp and lovely um so it's kind of a nice blend of the retro with the modern um so yeah so obviously not everything we do is going to be pixel but they're still kind of dipped in that kind of uh, those roots you know right like somebody took a 3d game and um you know said you know poured some pixels on top of it almost <laughs> exactly. yeah exactly yeah awesome yeah, exactly yeah. so all right, you've developed a couple of games for the Nintendo Switch, and uh, this is a Nintendo mm -hmm. Switch podcast. Um, you have Zeo Drifter, as well as you guys brought Mutant Muds over, and mm -hmm. now yep. you have been uh, working on porting Chicken Wiggle. Congratulations on the Kickstarter campaign, by the way. Um, Thank you. So when you were working on the Nintendo Switch, how does that... How is that different than programming or not necessarily programming than developing for uh, previous Nintendo uh, mm. hardware or even other hardware that you uh, have ported your games to in the past? You know, it's been very pleasant. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time on the DS and the 3DS and they're very underpowered, uh, specialized machines when it comes to developing for them because they don't have much horsepower. So we had to do, um, you know, we had to primarily use our own proprietary engines um, that were built specifically for those platforms to squeeze every ounce of power out of them. So there's very little overhead or fat um, in the engine. So all of it could be used for the game. Um, and so I think with Dementium and New Muds, you know, are pretty good examples of kind of showing um, that they're doing some nice stuff that if you're using Unity, for example, or Unreal or something like that on the 3DS, yeah, no, it's just not going to happen. There's no way. I mean, even if it did run, it wouldn't run very well. It wouldn't be able to pull off all of those things on the 3DS and the DS. So, um so, so that was interesting. That was different. So they're coming over to the to the switch now. You know, like Soccer Slammers, for example, um, we're using you know Unity to develop that game, um, and it's yeah, it, I don't know, it's um, it's it's a lot less constraining. You know, you can really do what you want, which is kind of nice. Um, obviously, you know, if you're going for really hyper realistic stuff, then obviously you're going to still run into issues and barriers as far as really pushing the performance. I'm yeah. sure Doom on the Switch was very challenging to make, for example, um, and it looks gorgeous. Um, so it's actually been a very kind of easy, pleasant experience, actually, um, even like with Mutant Mods Collection. Uh, which includes Mutant Mods Deluxe, Mutant Mods Super Challenge, and Mudblocks all in one game. Um, 
that does use our old proprietary engine kind of ported over to the switch uh, matthew gambrell who's the programmer of that you know did the original and then moved over to the to the switch um but even that was a very easy easy i didn't have to feel the pain so i can say it was easy but it was a <laughs> quick painless experience um of a few weeks to kind of get the core engine boom running on the on the switch now and then some more time to kind of then take advantage of the unique features of the switch make sure everything's lovely and you know clean and so on but still a pretty easy nice um process um and then from a development point of view i have a switch that looks like a regular switch really but it's a development switch um so i can walk around with it i can dock it i can play with this like a normal switch and i can import uh, the game to it it can't play regular games it can only play development games mm -hmm. um and i can import it to it and play it like a regular game which is fantastic um so I'll be playing, you know, the broken game, you know, over and over again, writing down what's wrong with it, and hopefully it gets fixed. And that's the really the cycle you go through until it's finally done, which we're very much in that right now. The soccer slam is trying to wrap it up, which is both awesome and terrible at the same time. So you're, you're playing it, hoping it's going to be perfect, and then something breaks or something pops up. Like, so you're, you're constantly kind of iterating until you get to that moment of, yes, moment of calm where everything, there's no noise, everything's just just right <laughs> um, so that's kind of where we're at right now um but uh, yeah no so it's just been really good and, and it you know the experience on the 3ds and the ds were both good as well but very different where we really had to oh my gosh i mean the dementium on the ds we were like, i mean it was there were so many questions we're like hey we want to do a first person survival horror game on the ds with a flashlight okay no idea if that's going to work how do we even do this let's just give it a shot so there's many steps of discovery and trying and oh that didn't work going back a little bit going that direction instead and kind of you know pushing at the boundaries to kind of see where we could go and in many respects we hit a wall pretty darn fast in other respects we were like well we can actually push this further than we thought we could we can actually display a lot more polygons without any craziness happening than we thought that's pretty cool um so yeah, so that was definitely a more of a kind of a quest of discovery. And obviously the power of the 3DS is way more increased than the DS. So that was a little less um, of an issue there. And then obviously when you come to the Switch, yeah, those barriers are really just completely um, broken down for the type of games that we're making right now. There's just no you know concern of it running at a decent frame rate. Awesome. Uh, so Chicken Wiggle, it was, it was a 3DS game at first. Does that have yep. a proprietary engine so that you could do what you wanted to do with it? And is that causing you any issues with porting it to the Switch? Um, yeah, it's using really, it's really using the same engine as Mutant Mods and Zero Drifter. Okay. Um, they have both been now moved over to the Switch. Um, so, um, so really the, obviously there are unique components to the Chicken Wiggle as far as the level editor and stuff like that. Um, so, but the core engine, meaning you know, we can get a game over there and run, you know, pretty short order, but then actually tailoring it to the switch as far as the screen resolution where does the overlays go and all that kind of stuff it's yeah. just that's just you have to get in there and just do it um but no it's it's no it's pretty good the, the foundation has already been laid down nicely for that so it's just really a matter of going in there and just um doing each piece at a time and then of course we made it you know more difficult for ourselves by like saying hey we're gonna do you know high-res new artwork you know so we have to figure out <laughs> how to handle that because the game is running I mean, little chicken wiggle. Is he on the wall? Can you see him anywhere? There he yeah. is right there. You know, he's a 16 by 16 pixel sprite, essentially. He's a little bit more than that, but let's, for argument's sake, let's say that's what he is. Um, you know, so on the 
but on the you know the high res version i'm not sure what it is but it's way bigger <laughs> you take that you scale it up you put it on a 720 screen i don't know what the actual pixels is but it's yeah much much larger so you have to figure out how to display that and also cater to that at the same time but then deal with collision and making sure this you know because that's a big difference you take something 16 by 16 let's say you scale it up to 128 pixels by 128 for right. example there's a huge margin of error there if, if your if your collision is on a per pixel basis you've just magnified the issues oh, by a lot okay. you know so you have to kind of be like all right was there anything pixel perfect in the original yes lots all right great so how do we now scale that up without everything just being like gross and smeary and disgusting so right. that's an interesting technical challenge that um that we'll have to face um but uh yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, man, the end result is going to be awesome. So let's, we're just going to have to wrestle through that and figure it out, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that game. Um, Zeo Drifter is, it's got to be one of my favorite Metroidvania games that I've ever oh, played. Even though it's really short, I, I mm -hmm. had a ton of fun playing it. And one thing that I, if if somebody said to me today, where should, if I'm going to, I'm going to pick up Zeo Drifter, where should I play it? I would absolutely say the Switch. And the reason, cool. other than the fact that it's portable, uh, is because of the HD rumble. I feel like yeah. Zeo Drifter is one of the best examples of HD rumble that I've seen so far. What is it that you guys at Atui are doing that other de developers might not be to make it so great? Because Zeo Drifter really nailed what it should feel yeah. like, in my, in my opinion. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um... Matthew, who's the programmer and actually does audio and music games as well, but primarily he's you know been the programmer on, on um, a bunch of our games. He single-handedly did all of that, so I can't take any credit. And I can agree with you, it's awesome because I can say it like unbiased because I did I didn't make it, he did. Um, so he and and the reason for that though I think does stem from our perspective and where we came from with the 3ds where we were making a game for a single platform we weren't making a multi-platform game we're making a 3ds game um and it kind of puts you in that mindset of all right what does this platform do oh great let's do that then you know you know rather than we have x game we need to we need to cram it it already exists we need to cram it onto 3ds let's just port that then oh the 3ds happens to be you know, 3D and so on. Oh, well, well, our game isn't to support that, so ours won't be. But we, we came from a situation where it was very tailored to the platform. So when we come over to the Switch, it's the same mentality. It's like, well, what does this thing do? HD Rumble, that's pretty sweet. What, what does that mean? You know, so we experiment with it like, whoa, the fidelity on the HD Rumble is is like a sound wave. I mean, that's the how granular it is. It's like a sound wave. It's like, wow. It's not just on off, like most vibration joypads are. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of, you know a lot of depth to it so well that's amazing so we did you know a bunch of that on me and muds um so the me and muds rumble is is pretty pretty awesome too and matthew did all of that so that was our first outings to get into that um and that was the experimental kind of phase um and then i guess matthew really enjoyed it so he really went went for gold <laughs> on zero drifter um and it's just it really there's, there's no magic um kind of uh you know secret source to it or anything it's really just time love and effort you know, you just have to go to each situation and go, great, this is the situation. Let's say it's when you jump in the water on Zero Drifter. Okay, what do we want to do with that? 
we're going to, you know, we have a sound effect for that. So let's take that sound effect and run that through the rumble. How does that feel? Pretty good, but it has some problems here and here. It's too subtle, too much, whatever. Great. We'll just adjust that to a fix that and go, great. Yeah, that works great. And then you just one at a time, you go through every situation in the game and you just tailor it. You know, so this, yeah, it's just hard work <laughs> and a vision, you know, and, and love for it. Um, and that's obviously what Matthew had for it. And he freaking nailed it. Yeah, it's awesome. I remember when I first got, like, he went through the entire game first. And then, yeah, you know, I got to experience, like, the player. You know, like, he just did everything. I hadn't felt anything. Suddenly I could feel everything. Um, I was like, it was almost too intense. It was like, oh my God, it's like everything. So that's when we added the kind of, high mid and low kind of like intensity factor because right. to me i was like dude this is way too I, for me i was like this is way too intense and he but he loved it and i was like all right cool well let's put you know the different settings in there so people can adjust it to their liking you know because some people if you're wearing a ring for example and it's buzzing in your hand and it's, and it's hitting that ring it's kind of like that's ah, a bit much um so it's kind of nice to kind of tailor that based on the person or if they're a young person and they're like you know it's like shaking out of their hands or whatever so um yeah, no, it's cool. Thank you, though. But yeah, it's it's Matthew did a fantastic job with that. So, um, are, is there you, you guys are working on Chicken Wiggle and uh, yeah. soccer mm-hmm. slammers? I almost slammers, called it smashers yeah. for some reason. Uh, soccer slammers. So, w- when is uh, soccer slammers coming out? We are aiming for uh, the day the World Cup kicks off, which is June fourteenth. Um, so, we are wrapping up now. With any luck, touch wood, we'll actually submit it to Nintendo. Um, uh, next week so it will be somewhere in the may 9th ish mm-hmm. region is when we'll send it off to them and then when they like it'll go through and be approved and actually be released on june 14th so if that doesn't quite make it it'll be the week or two after that depending on how how everything goes can you give a quick description of soccer slammers for anybody who's listening or watching that doesn't know yeah, much about it, it the the elevator pitch is really simple it's really uh the nba jam of soccer very very basic it's it's two on two there are no rules there's no throw-ins no corners no offsides you can smack each other you can slam each other and knock them out and steal the ball you can do power shots to slam them in um it's very simple stripped down fun arcade uh soccer so i'm not particularly a soccer fan um i didn't make it because of soccer i made it because like hey the world cup's coming up I love NBA Jam. Let's slap those two things together and do it the way we would do it. Let's make a fun arcade game uh, like, you know, Mario Strikers or whatever. Um, And that's kind of where it was born. So, uh, yeah. So you say you say NBA Jam. And the first thing that I think of is the announcer. Yeah. Do you you guys have an announcer? No, we don't. Oh, man. In the original plan. Um, and that may be something we'll add in the future. And that was the original plan, but we're like, it's a tremendous amount of time and effort to put that in, which we were prepared to do, but we kind of ran out of time because the World Cup date isn't moving. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, That's all true. right, let's wrap it up. Focus on the cool gameplay. You could just yeah, call them up. Can you move the yeah. World Cup? We're, yeah, you know, we're trying to do some. We need some. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was on our wish list as well. So maybe in the future, if we do another uh, update or version in the future. And then when that comes out, it's uh, full steam ahead on the Switch version of Chicken Wiggle, right? Or are you already really working on that full time? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a separate track. So Chicken Wiggle um, is different people um, working on that. Um, so that is is rolling. Um, and that is kind of a, it's an interesting project because it's a mixture of, of new work, especially with the artist, you know, mm-hmm. Michael Veroni, who's doing the, the, art, the new artwork for the game. Um, and then Matthew, who's then porting over 
you know the, the functionality of the game so uh yeah so it's technical and creative at the same time so that's kind of rolling doing its thing um and um and of course we're gonna have the new music in there as well which will be really great um yeah so that's rolling and then yeah that's not really affected by by soccer slams right now um and then as soon as i'm done with soccer slammers i am going to be jumping onto treasure Nauts again finally which is um a game i've been kicking around for many 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 years <laughs> oh my gosh what, what kind of game is treasure Nauts? that is it's a 2d platform game it so the the again the elevator pitch for that is i try to make it as simple as possible to try and paint a picture on someone's mind um is really it's um super mario world meets indiana jones two-player co-op oh man that sounds awesome so that is kind of what it is so it's kind of has that adventure of, of you know of um super mario world with like there's a there's, there's a map you know islands that you're traveling mm-hmm. across to get to Get, get, get to wherever you're getting to. Um, it's you know 2D side scrolling platforming, um, but you can play two player or one player you know simultaneously. Um, it's actually split screen, so when you're in a level, you can go off and collect the loot you know independently because there's loot on every surface you can see. Um, you can smack these uh, treasure chests open, poof, all this like jewels and gems kind of come flying out. It's awesome. But if you get hit, you spill out you know all of your stuff, kind of like in a Sonic uh, Hedgehog kind of style, like all your stuff comes spilling out. So you have to come and recollect it up. Okay. That's kind of how your health, your health is your wealth kind of connection um so it's a real fun but it's a real fun kind of indiana jones kind of like event running around doing your thing do i have him anywhere i don't have him on the wall anywhere but indy he looks like indiana jones basically <laughs> but his name is rude Allen smith um and he has the the whole the whole shebang um but no it, it's a game i've actually i first gosh i first revealed it and i think it was in 2013 um maybe 12 even but i think it was 2013 um uh, which I shouldn't have done because everyone's been bugging me about it <laughs> since then. Like, why isn't this done yet? Um, so uh, it's, uh, but it, it's really, it's fun. It, it's been an interesting project because it, it, we started it and then we had to stop, you know, to kind of get other games finished up. And then we would come back to it and then jumped off to the other thing. So we'd be kind of going, stopping and starting over the years, which has been really good for the game um, because we get to take what we've learned from the games we've made, you know, up mm-hmm. to that point and then put it back into this game uh whether it be just kind of creative ideas um mainly creative ideas game design art just kind of letting the let it percolate let it digest over the years to um marinate you know um so it, i mean I, yeah it'll be fun i'm excited to finally jump back into it so, and uh what platforms is that going to be for um definitely the switch um and hopefully the ps4 and xbox one as well Awesome. Very cool. Um, now, I I don't know if you can say anything or if, you know, maybe the answer is just straight up no. Do you are are there any plans for you guys to be able to get out like Amiibo for your characters? Because your characters have such I, I don't know what the word is yeah. that I'm looking for. They have they're fantastically designed. And I think that they would look awesome as like little 3D dudes. Cool, uh, any you. chance um, of that? It's possible. It. Nintendo does allow third-party, you know, developers to do that. It does take a fairly significant financial investment to do it because you're kind of responsible. It's not like Nintendo's like, hey, yeah, you want your guys done? We'll, just, we'll put it out there and we'll just split the profits. It doesn't really work like that. They're like, you have to go to them as, I guess, a quote-unquote toy manufacturer to be like, hey, 
here's our thing. Can we include this in your line? And they can be like, yes, that's approved. I'm not sure what the process is. I don't know. But we have to do all the work. They don't do anything for oh, you. Okay. They kind of allow you to do it. They like they allow you to license to be able to do that. And that's why not many people have done that because it's it's a pretty big, pretty big thing. It's awesome to see things like Shovel Knight. You know, they jumped into it, which is amazing. But um, it was a significant effort, I think, on their part to, to pull that off. So good for them for doing that. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to be in the financial situation to, to be able to do it. In the meantime, though, we do have these fun little um, 3D printed figures that people can actually order on our oh, website. Oh, that's awesome. Like, I did not know that. Soccer. That's the, the soccer slammers, awesome. right? That's the soccer slammers guy. And then we have um, uh, the the way Max looks in oh. uh, Totes the Goat. Um there's the little kind of voxelized version of him. And then Totes the Goat, which is another game we have on the Switch right now. There's him. Which, <laughs> and that's literally what he looks like in the game. This A little closer game. to your face. Okay, this is the game model. Um, there's uh, little Totes right there. So how do yeah. you decide what goes on the back? <laughs> um, of him? <laughs> So it's got a little tail. Well, I, I mean, uh, well, for totes, it's probably a little easier, but like for Max, like. Right. Yeah, he just has his little shirt on and just his little shirt continues. He goes all the way around. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, those are really cool. Those He's are very cool. There's a little cool. hairline there on the back of his head. <laughs> no Zeo Drifter, so, yeah. though. No, I need to get one. I mean, he does exist because he was in Totes the Goat as well as a playable character. Um, so there is a voxelized version of him. I need to order him as well. Yeah. Awesome. So if you go to a tui.com, there's a little toy, uh, toys button you can click on and there's tons of them. I'll put and a link in the show notes. Okay, cool. Uh, there's a, a, a company in France called fab Zat, and they generate them. Um, so it's kind of, it's a create to order kind of deal. So you can go on there and they kind of vary in price, which is a little strange, but it's based on the material or whatever's involved in creating it. So some may be like $11 and 90 cents or whatever. And then mm -hmm. suddenly like max, I think is like $21. Like, whoa. So I think it's based on how difficult it is to make or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, maybe but, the colors too. Like maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe some colors are more expensive. That's, that's, that's very true. interesting. But yeah, no, they're fun. So they're the more, they actually are the models from the game. And then generated in in real life, which is pretty amazing. So, other than your games, we've we've been talking a lot about your stuff. I just want to know a little bit about Jules Watchem. Uh, other than your games, what are what is your favorite mm -hmm. game? Wow, my favorite game. Jeez, I don't know if I have a favorite game, but um, but I, I mean, Mario has definitely been. I think out of all of the Nintendo kind of characters or games i think mario is probably even the main one for me i mean i love zelda i'm like yoshi Donkey kong and all the rest of it but i think mario as far as like especially you know just you're looking at the major milestones from the nes mario brothers to then super mario world on the super nintendo and then mario 64 and then 64 um and i like likes mario sunshine i know that's some people love it and some people hate it um and then, of course, uh, Mario Galaxy, and then more. You know, and actually, I really liked Mar Mario 3D World, Mario 3D Land as well on 3DS, and then more recently, of course, uh, Mario Odyssey. So, yeah, that's that's definitely the thing that gets me really excited is the new Mario game, definitely. So, what, what do you um, prefer, 2D Mario or 3D Mario? Um, they're completely different. But if I was sent off to a desert island, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's I what I mean. They're they are totally different. Me. They are completely different. Um, probably 2D. Yeah. 
probably 2D. I mean, I love 3D. It'd be a tough choice, but probably 2D. Because, and for me, it's because I'm a game designer and I, I really appreciate how exacting the collision is in a 2D game. It's black and white. There's very little gray. Where in a 3D game, it's all gray, you know, because you can't judge distances unless it's a 3D game, of course. You're kind of basing it on memory and other visual cues, not truly judging distance and space. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a stereo vision. So, um, and that, even though it's fantastic and they work well and everything's lovely, um, I think that would be the reason. My geeky, uh, nerdy reason would be be that. (laughs) What do you do for fun that has nothing to do with video games? Uh, sleep. <laughs> so you, you don't get to do anything. You're too busy working. Is that what it is? Pretty much. You know, I, I love movies. Um, you know, Steven Spielberg is probably my favorite director. So I mean, like Indiana Jones, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, is a big inspiration. You know, Jurassic Park. Did you go see Ready Player <clears> One? Feature. I did. Yeah. yeah Were you a it. fan of that? Or I know it's yeah, pretty I, divisive. Oh, is it? No, I thought it was great. I yeah. mean, it's just a fun ride, right? I didn't expect much more than that. Yeah, not every not every movie movie has to be you know uh, that rosebud, but you know what I mean. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I got you. I thought it was fun. Yeah. All right. So, last question: What are you excited about or looking forward to? Generally speaking, or video game related? Just whatever, whatever (laughs) comes to mind. Well, in the very near future, I'm actually looking forward to getting Donkey Kong tropical freeze because it should be arriving today and if it may be oh i think it already has i got a package while rushing on on the the, (laughs) the call today i see a little dhl package right there so i think that's my um i think that's my don't call tropical freeze so looking forward to that the more in the distant future i'm excited to see what new stuff nintendo does for the switch you know like we've had i mean zelda breath of the wild is ridiculous at such a milestone in gaming and for that that brand that franchise and then odyssey is incredible as well so it'd be really it's gonna be fun to see what more they do you know like as far as what more can they do i mean i'm not, I'm not a huge smash brothers fan i mean i appreciate the game but it's not something that really gets me excited so i'm sure that's gonna be coming this year or next or whatever um so i'm, I'm excited to see what what else they come up with you know are they gonna do like a sequel to odyssey are they gonna do like a galaxy or a 3d world style mario i mean just to see what happens i'm looking forward to the future of first party switch games Awesome. Uh, so, Jules, where is it that can people find out stuff about your games and where can they find you on the internet? So, atui.com, so A T O O I.com has pretty much everything. I mean, it has all of our games um, on the about page. You know, you'll find my Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of fun stuff. So, it's that's pretty a good, good kind of one stop shopping. Go to Atui and that'll have all the links and stuff to everything else. So I'm on Twitter. We actually started a Discord, um, you know, server recently, which is fun. You know, it's just a nice, fun, casual, you know, it's it's open invites. Um, it's not hardcore. You don't have to do anything to rank up. You just jump in there and just talk about games. So it's a pretty nice, fun, casual place to be. So I'm using that more and more now. So, uh, yeah, so atui.com is the best place to go. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really Thank appreciate you, it. Thank you. 